Hello, I'm David Lee, and this is the Sustainable Scotland podcast, brought to you by The Scotsman, Scotland's national newspaper since 1817, now bringing you fresh and relevant content for the 21st century. Sustainable Scotland looks at how Scotland is doing in its efforts to be cleaner and greener, and whether this generation is leaving the world in a better state for the next. This episode is brought to you in partnership with AAB Wealth and examines how we invest our money sustainably, what is increasingly called ESG investing, responsible investing, or sometimes simply sustainable investing. It's a topic that can be complex and it's sometimes hidden within industry jargon. Our aim today is to unravel some of that complexity and help you understand how to make sensible, responsible investment choices. I'm joined by two experts. Ian Campbell is a director and chartered financial planner at AAB Wealth. And Jim Whittington is head of responsible investment at Dimensional, a global asset management firm with almost $700 billion under management. AAB has just added a fixed income bond fund from Dimensional to its sustainable investment options. And I started by asking Jim Whittington a question that could be a podcast in itself. What is ESG investing? Thanks, David. Well, traditional investing focuses on financial metrics, so things like revenues, profits and assets. ESG investing goes further in considering environmental, social and governance performance. So really this whole category of non-financial metrics. So it might be the impact a company is having on the environment. It might be the impact that their products are having on society. Uh, but it just recognizes that things beyond the purely financial can be important. And an interesting question then is, well, what do people use that information for? And there's really two main uses. So some people might want to mine it for insights about which companies are going to be more successful. Uh, to be honest, that isn't an easy thing to do at all. You know, we need to remember that a good company isn't always necessarily a good investment. To give you an example, tobacco, for example, has been very profitable for decades. The second use that people put this data to is for when people want to invest in line with their values. So to come back to that tobacco example, there are many people who just don't want to earn a return from tobacco, irrespective of how profitable it is. And increasingly, we're seeing the same concerns around climate impact as well. So the last thing I'll say on this is dimensional, you know, we typically prefer the term sustainable investment to ESG investment because we think it makes it clearer that we focus more on, on this values alignment element uh, the, it's a clearer definition. Uh, the UN, for example, uh, defines sustainability as meeting the needs of, of the present generation without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs, which seems like a fine goal. And it makes clear that we're considering the impact of the companies are having on the world as opposed to the impact that the world is having on those companies and thereby the investor's own portfolio. Thanks, Jim. That's really clear. So, Ian. Jim's talked there about ESG investing or sustainable investing, but how well do your clients understand what it is and what it means to them? Clients' understanding and awareness is improving. Um, definitely seen that over the last few years, but I would say people are still learning. Um, like all things in financial services, there's a lot of jargon and a lot of information out there. Um, so as part of our ongoing service at AAB Wealth um, and my role as their trusted advisor, um, we are continually looking ahead um, at potential changes which may impact clients and their portfolios. Um, and a topic high on our agenda 
is how we consider investing in sustainable funds that make a positive difference to the world we live in. We are um, all aware of the, of the impact that we're having um, on, on the climate and on, on Earth. Um, and, and so I think it's important that we start uh, discussing this um, when we're discussing people's financial goals and investments. OK, thanks, Ian. Jim, ESG investing is a big topic, but where should investors start if they're considering going down this route? The first thing I would emphasise to people listening is that ESG investing is still investing. So it's important to consider that financial aspect of things. Now, there isn't any evidence, actually, that ESG investing alone leads to higher performance. The Dimensional, as a firm, we base our approach on the insights that have come out of academic research about what's important to returns. So, for example, in equities, we know that smaller companies and, and companies with a low price relative to some measure of, of, of value or companies which have higher profitability um, have been shown to outperform uh, their, their, their peers over long periods of time. And uh, we've been quite successful implementing those insights into portfolios. So we look at the academic research and academics have studied this and, and that there isn't any robust evidence that ESG is either a driver of higher returns or of lower returns. So of course, there's still lots of good reasons why people want to consider uh, sustainability or ESG. Uh, but we would say don't rush out and get an ESG fund just because you think it's going to lead to higher returns. Um, the second point I'd, I'd emphasize is that ESG is subjective. Uh, we know this because ESG ratings typically disagree uh, on, on how they assess different companies. So like people, uh, companies aren't good or bad. You know, to take an example, Tesla you know, they look very good on the environmental spectrum, but people have concerns about social aspects such as cobalt in their supply chain uh, or even the governance aspects. You know, when the tweet of the CEO can influence the share price, uh, it's not considered a good thing. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is that data can be a, a challenge. ESG data um, can often be subjective. So the, the second point is you just need to do your due diligence and understand what's being offered from a sustainability perspective. I think the last point I'd make is it's important that people be careful because there's a lot of marketing buzz and hype around ESG investing, uh, but there are examples of people out there overstating what they're doing, this term greenwashing, which means that they're actually doing less than they say they're doing. Uh, another uh, thing that we see is something called green wishing, when people are perhaps overstating the impact that they're having. So as I said, ESG doesn't have to lead to worse performance, but it can if it causes people not to follow sound investment principles like low cost and broad diversification. Uh, so it can be a bit of a minefield. And that's why we at Dimensional like to work with people like AAB uh, because independent advice we think can really help end clients. Because at the end of the day, ESG has a whole extra dimension of complexity to investment, which many people frankly find quite complex enough already. Ian, is there anything you'd like to add to that advice to clients thinking about going down this ESG road? Just to, to back up what Jim said, um, two points. Our clients need to be aware um, of what they're investing in or, or, or the approach they're taking, but also what they're not doing, which is probably just as important. We can't solve the, the, the world with, with one investment or, or one fund, but we can make, take small steps to, to make a real difference. Um, and like everything in life, there is a trade-off um, and clients need to be fully aware um, of that trade-off. Um, everybody's financial plan 
starts with the premise, or most investors uh, start with the premise that they want to protect and grow their wealth uh, and generate an income now or in the future. Um, and that returns, therefore, are very important. So as Jim has mentioned, our portfolios are structured um, to deliver diversified broad market returns um, derived from risks that we are comfortable taking um, because we understand what they are and the likely characteristics that they will deliver over time. And if this can be achieved in a more sustainable way, then all the better. Um, but just to go back to the start, there are trade-offs. Um, we can't solve everything in, in, in one go, and clients just need to be fully aware of, of what they, they are trying to achieve uh, and also what they're, they're not going to be able to achieve. And what's driving ESG investment? Is it clients? Is it wider social trends? Is it regulation? Or is it all of the above? I think just we're all more conscious on a day-to-day -day basis uh, of the impact that we're having. Um, so you have increasing attention to people like David Attenborough or Greta Thunberg. Um, they, they make the front pages and the, the news headlines and the, the project they're working on and, and the, the issues they're trying to, to get out there. Um, and we all recycle more. Uh, we all are trying to probably drive hybrid or electric cars, walk or, or cycle more. So it's becoming more and more part of, of daily life. Um, and I think we all know deep down that we're not doing a great job at the moment of um, looking after or balancing the present needs for ourselves and, and future generations. Um, so I think it's just everyday life. Um, we're becoming more and more aware, aware and that is now feeding through into people um, looking to how they invest their money uh, within their portfolios. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just add on to, to what uh, Ian was saying there. And the other big driver I'd, I'd, looked, I'd point at is, is the government and, and regulators in general. There's a huge amount of effort going on, as we saw you know, last year with COP26. Um, but the UK has passed into law their commitment to be net zero by 2050. The EU has made a similar commitment. And as a result, we're seeing financial regulators get very busy um, and, and, and making regulation that uh, requires greater disclosure from both companies and, and people like us at Dimensional about um, the non-financial aspects of investments. And that's, that should allow investors to better assess climate risks in their portfolios, and it should allow them to be better able to, to, to identify those companies that are contributing to things like uh, the, the low-carbon transition. And are we on a one-way street, Ian? Are we heading inexorably towards ESG? towards sustainable investing? Yes, 100%. Um, this is not a, a fad or um, a, just a short-term um, investment craze that, that we're going through. Um, I, I believe in, in future it won't even be called sustainable investing. I think it will just be investing um, because I think, um, as Jim has mentioned, as the, the data and the criteria gets better as the regulation um, comes in, um, people will just assume that this is the norm. Uh, and... I think that's, that's very important. Um, and I think if you look at what's happening here in Scotland, uh, Jim mentioned COP26, which obviously um, drove a lot of publicity about uh, the government. Um, but if you look here um, in Scotland as well, just recently, there's been a, a granting um, through the Scotland development um, for, for leasing for offshore wind. Um, there's a lot of companies moving to, towards a net zero um, or, or net zero emissions target. And, and we are going through this any transition from fossil fuels to, to renewables. So I think it's 100% the future in investing. I think it's 100% the future um, in, in companies and, and in the corporate world. 
And again, as Jim has mentioned, I think governments are also moving in that direction. So it's here to stay and definitely the future. And Jim, how do companies show that what they're doing is not greenwashing or green wishing, as you also put it? How does Dimensional or AAB show that they're really genuine about all this? I think it is important for investors to be careful. You know, there's a lot of buzz and uh, hype around ESG investing. And investors need to remember that asset managers do have a motivation to try and attract uh, people into their funds to, to, to overclaim perhaps what they're doing, um, to, to get this kind of green halo effect. And we think the solution is really to be clear about what you hope to achieve in your sustainable investments, to have high quality data rather than uh, rely on subjective opinions. And lastly, you've got to demand good quality evidence that you're achieving your goals. So that's the approach that we, we want to follow at Dimensional. So for example, our sustainability funds, they've got a clear focus on climate and we promise a, a meaningful reduction in exposure at the portfolio level uh, to greenhouse gas emissions and potential emissions in the future. Um, and note, that's not the same thing as saying that we're taking carbon out of the atmosphere. You can't do that in, in an investment portfolio typically. You know, we're just changing investors' exposure to some of those companies, the sorts of companies you're providing capital to. Um, so the second point is we demand good quality data. Uh, greenhouse gas data is, is actually very well reported now by companies. So the majority of the market by market capitalization is, is reporting that data. And lastly, we provide clear reporting so we can show to our clients that we are um, delivering that meaningful reduction in exposure. Um, so, you know, we don't think this is rocket science. You know, you wouldn't invest in a financial product that wouldn't tell you how it was performing. And we just think you need to hold sustainability promises to the same standards. You're listening to Sustainable Scotland, a podcast produced by The Scotsman. This episode is brought to you in partnership with AAB Wealth. Find out more about our episode partner by visiting aabwealth.uk. So we've talked a lot about the big principles, so let's come down to the nitty gritty. Ian, what is AAB Wealth actually doing to make its investment offers more sustainable? We started this journey, if you like, two years ago. And at the heart of everything that we do is giving clients confidence in their financial future and making sure we help them achieve their financial goals and objectives. Um, so our investment portfolios are, are built on, on sound investment principles. They're, they're evidence-based, they're, they're research-backed. And if we can incorporate sustainability within our investment portfolios, then all the better. So, so two years ago, we introduced an equity fund to our portfolio, and we're now about to introduce a fixed income or bond fund within our portfolios um, that is also a sustainable fund. So we're on a journey to, to try and incorporate sustainability within our portfolios without sacrificing our investment principles and without sacrificing um, clients' abilities to achieve their financial goals and objectives in the future. Thanks, Ian. And can you tell us a bit more about that bond fund that you just mentioned? Dimensional introduced the fund in, in December. Um, so we work very closely with Dimensional. And as I said, we'd already made changes um, to, to the equity fund that we hold uh, in our portfolios. And we were keen to, to do something um, in the bond fund. So we work very closely with Dimensional um, to introduce 
something that met our, our criteria and met our needs for our clients. And we were delighted that they introduced this fund in December. And we are going to make the changes to our client portfolios in March. Okay. And Jim, can you elaborate a bit more on the bond fund that Dimensionals introduced and why? So it's called the Dimensional Global Sustainability Short Fixed Income Fund. Now, Ian mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot of jargon uh, in the industry. But if you know the jargon, I think that's a pretty good description of what it's delivering. Um, So let me break it down. So first of all, fixed income. So bonds are effectively loans from the investor to either a company or a government, uh, and you get a rate of return on that loan. Um, Within our bond funds, we adopt a similar approach uh, in our fixed income funds to we do uh, our equity funds. So we look at drivers of returns that have been identified in the academic research uh, that we can use to enhance returns for our clients. So the second aspect then is it's global. So it's broadly diversified, invests in global corporate governments and and sovereign bonds. Short refers to the maturity, so it's a short-term fund. Um, Bonds in general are typically not as volatile as equities, Um, but the maturity here is the tenor of the loan. Um, and it's a shorter term, which is, is less than five years, which is typically considered to be short term. Um, I'd also mention that this fund is also high quality, uh, which is what we call investment grade credit ratings. So bonds typically aren't very volatile anyway, but this is a very high quality short term and, and relatively safe end of the spectrum. And so the last piece to unpack then is the sustainability implementation. And it's just a similar approach to our equity approach I was talking about before. It's focused primarily on, on climate impacts, and we promise a meaningful reduction in exposure uh, to greenhouse gas emissions and, and potential emissions. Ian, let's come down to client level. Obviously, every client you speak to is different. Each one has slightly different objectives, slightly different values. So how do you tailor the options you offer them to their own personal investment goals? You're absolutely right. And for every client, um, we build a personalized financial plan to help them achieve um, their current and and future financial goals and objectives. Um, So as I say, at the heart is putting the client at the heart of the plan uh, and focusing on what's important to them, their values, um, their goals, their dreams. And once you've established that and, and built a plan, you can then build the investment portfolio to help achieve that plan and help them achieve those goals. Um, And part of that, there'll always be an allocation to what we would call growth assets, which is in the equity space, and an allocation to more defensive assets, which are are bonds, which Jim just described. So there'll always be a split between growth and defensive assets, but that'll be personal to each client, depending on their needs and objectives. And what particular criteria are you using when you're putting those plans together, Ian? I mean, we are independent advisors, so we search the whole of the market for solutions and funds for our clients. And we, we have an investment policy give, uh, committee and strong governance around our portfolios. And we employ the services of a, a third party consultant who chair and run our investment policy committees. And, and really, we, we just run regular due diligence and research on all the funds that are out there that meet our criteria. Um, As I said, our our investment philosophy is built on sound investment principles, globally diversified, um, low cost. And so when we put all these different criteria in, we then review the market of uh, of the funds that meet that criteria 
uh, and select those for our clients and then co continually review. We don't make regular changes. I mentioned we are about to make one change, but over the last 10 years, we've only made a, a handful of changes because we believe our approach. So although sometimes we're not making any changes, it doesn't mean to say that we're not challenging our process um, in the investment policy committee. So clients know that um, at the heart, we're always looking to make sure that they are in the correct solution um, to meet their goals. Okay, obviously one important factor here is how do we measure success? I'll come to you first, Jim. How do we measure investment success when on the one hand, it's all about investment and outcomes, as you said earlier, but there are broader considerations too. How are you measuring it? It's one of these challenges of trying to pursue two goals at the same time. That's one of the interesting things about ESG investing. That's why we find it so important to have this clear reporting. The clear reporting shows that we've delivered on the sustainability goals. We can demonstrate this reduction and exposure to greenhouse gas emissions and, and potential emissions. But then, of course, the financial goals, financial sustainability is so important as well. Um, so we, we measure that and track performance on that as well. And we've got a wide range of sustainability funds that we um, provide globally to our clients. And we can compare those to their non-sustainability constrained peers. And, and what we see is over a very long period of time, a wide variety of different funds, we see very similar performance between the sustainability and the non-sustainability funds. So that's telling us that we're delivering on the goals we want to achieve, which is to help people achieve their sustainability goals without having to impair these sound investment principles uh, that Ian was talking about. So it's really important to us that we can help um, Ian and AAB Wealth help deliver the end goals for their clients. Just to follow on from that, Jim, there's a lot of chat about how we measure just how sustainable a company is, how committed a business is to genuine sustainability, to ESG goals. How are we doing in measuring in that area? That is um, a, a real minefield. So there is a huge amount of disagreement between different professionals, different companies that provide ESG scores or ratings for different companies. And there's many problems with ESG data in general. It can be that the data is based on some analysts' assessment of that company. It might be that there's been problems collecting the data. Um, it might be that companies aren't reporting the data. It has to be estimated by a model and everyone's model is different. So we try and steer clear of that um, area of the market. And we base our approach on what really is the highest quality climate data which is available, which is reported um, scope one, scope two greenhouse gas emissions. So these are a company's greenhouse gas emissions as the result of its um, operational activities or, or either the energy or the energy that it buys. And as I say, that data is quite widely reported. It's got coverage of you know, 85, 90% of the market uh, in developed markets at least. And that means that if you have to estimate the rest of the market, the rest, the other 10%, it's an easier job because you've got lots to compare against. Let's come back to that measure of success. What does success look like for AAB Wealth in ESG investing, Ian? Just clients achieving their financial goals. That may be retiring early. It may be helping children go through university or, or buy their first property. Um, it may be gifting monies to, to grandchildren going on that dream holiday 
buying that Tesla we spoke about. So it's all around client goals. Uh, and that is really what it's all about. Um, say we want to give clients confidence in their financial future. Uh, and if they can achieve all those things, um, then that would be what we consider success. So we've talked a lot about what you do to support clients with sustainable investing. But what are you doing to show that sustainability is at the heart of your own business? Ian, what about AEB Wealth? Yeah, absolutely. And and if we want to become clients, trusted advisor uh, and build long term relationships, we need to walk the walk, if you like. When we're recommending sustainable investing, we, we have to be able to back that up. Um, so we recognise that in order to provide the best service, we need to ensure we're looking after our people and the environment and also the the wider community that we operate in. Uh, and we are actually recording all aspects of our ESG impact and footprint. Uh, and they will be measured, measured, monitored and reported on going forward. Um, for a long time, we have had a, a corporate social responsibility and governance policy, which is available on our website. Uh, and that's been been in place for, for many years. Uh, and we've also created a, a green team uh, back in 2018. And that was really looking at the E of ESG uh, and the environmental sustainability. So looking at things like reducing our paper consumption, cutting out single-use plastic consumption, landfill waste, all the things that we can have um, can do to make a small but meaningful impact to the environment. So, um, as I said, it's something that we are going to be monitoring and reporting on on, on a quarterly basis. Um, and we think it's really important that we can demonstrate uh, we have these credentials um, when we're speaking to clients. And what about Dimensional, Jim? Yes, it's great to hear everything that's going on at AAB. And I'd say Dimensional has also been a firm that has been run according to ESG principles for a long time. However, we have decided to go further more recently. Um, I think that's natural. The more you learn about sustainability issues and about the problem of climate change, the more you want to do to become part of the, the solution. So as part of that journey, you know, we, we've... Um, measured our, our operational emissions. Uh, we've come up with a five-year plan to reduce those emissions. And um, what we're currently unable to, to reduce, we are currently offsetting with, with high-quality verified offsets, which is whereby you go out and you, you support things like reforestation projects, um, forest protection projects, um, to ensure that you're, you're offsetting your emissions. And that's enabled us to, to become certified as climate-neutral by South Pole, who are a leading uh, provider uh, for 2021. Uh, but the most important, uh, exciting part of that for me is, is certainly the emissions reductions plan, uh, because we've got an operational task force and dimensional across multiple teams, working out ways that we can become more efficient as a company, uh, use the, the paper that we use, the energy that we use, the technology that we buy, uh, ensuring that, that we're increasing the lifespan of that technology and trying to reduce the amount of travel that we take. Thanks so much to Jim and to Ian for those fantastic insights and for explaining what can be a jargon-filled and complex world in such a clear way. Thanks for listening to Sustainable Scotland, a podcast produced by The Scotsman. This episode was delivered in partnership with AAB Wealth. Is your organisation striving to make Scotland a more sustainable place to live and work? Would you like to connect to the Scotsman's significant and influential audience online and in print? Become a guest on this podcast and tell your own story. For more information, email podcasts 
at scotsman.com. Listen out for more episodes of Sustainable Scotland on all your main podcast platforms. Sustainable Scotland is presented by me, David Lee, and it's produced by Andrew Mulligan. Thank you.